Welcome to the Next Level Human Podcast. As a human, you have a job to do. In fact, you have four jobs. To earn and manage money, to attain and maintain health and fitness, to build and sustain personal relationships, to find meaning and make a difference. None of these jobs are taught in school. And that is what this podcast is designed to do. To educate us all on living our most fulfilled lives through the mastery of these four jobs. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Tita, and I believe we are here living this life for three reasons and three reasons only. To learn, to teach, and to love. In this podcast, I will be learning, teaching, and loving right along with you. I'm grateful to have your company. Here's to our next level. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to today's show. Today, I have a special guest. Um, Autumn Smith is on the show. She is the founder, creator, the CEO, the badass over at uh, Paleo Valley, who all of you have heard a ton about. You know it's one of my favorite companies and a company that I support, and I'm so excited for the partnership with Paleo Valley. But the reason that I wanted um, Autumn on, and Autumn, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. You... Um, in my mind, sort of epitomize what this podcast is really about. When I set out to do the Next Level Human podcast, it was really about the fact that many of us who are in the healthcare space, actually, eventually, if we're going to be successful at our own healthcare with, you know, um, looking good and feeling good and living longer and performing better, we have to kind of tie it to our deeper purpose. And I certainly know what it's like to start a company and a supplement company. I've been there, done all of that kind of stuff. And the fact that you did this with Whole Foods and you've been on this journey, if you don't mind, I really want to talk about this first, because I think that this will go into some of the other things that um, you have, you know, sort of put out and wanted Paleo Valley to, to be the lead on. But I'm really interested, and I guess I'll start this discussion by just sort of asking you, when did the idea for this creation, this thing that you have put out into the world, what made you want to do it? When did you get the idea? And then I want to talk a little bit about some of the challenges and some of the the things that you've learned along the way. Uh, Well, thank you, first of all, for that generous introduction. We're such fans of yours, and we are just really excited about this partnership, too. So thank you for this opportunity. But basically, the idea for Paleo Valley, if you had told the people I grew up with that I would own an organic food company, they would never have believed you. I was always eating candy, and I was a ballerina when I was very, very young. And so I learned that all you had to do was count your calories. You didn't; It didn't matter the quality of your diet. And so to no surprise, I developed digestive issues when I was young and skin issues as I got into high school, and then eventually mental health issues because the gut and the brain are connected. We know that now. Back then, that was kind of a novel concept. And so when the IBS I had, no doctor could treat, it went unaddressed. Everything kind of started to fall around or fall down around me. I was even kicked out of my parents' house before I graduated from high school. Mm. It was pretty bad. And 
fortunately, I always had a love for dance and learning. And so I still kind of picked myself up. I went to school. I struggled through the day. I even became a celebrity fitness trainer. I mean, I was making it happen. But when my husband met me and saw the pain I was in kind of behind the scenes that I'd been suffering in silence, he was like, we cannot, you cannot live like this. We need to do better. And so it kind of just sent us down this rabbit hole. The doctors in LA at that time, they didn't have solutions for me either. So we looked at Mr. You know, Google and they said that diet could be a potential therapy. And I thought there is no way I've been to some great doctors. My parents spared no expense. But after 30 days of just, you know, eliminating processed foods and adopting the paleo diet, my digestive symptoms were totally gone. And then much to my surprise, I felt better emotionally than I had it ever, maybe. And I had been the kid on antidepressants. And so I just really struggled. And so it was this transformation that I thought, wow, like I'm a fitness trainer. Supposedly I have it all together. I look great, but inside I am falling apart. And this, and that for food to be a catalyst to this type of change was just really exciting to me. So I quit my job, uh, went back to school and got my master's. And it was through traveling with Tracy Anderson Method. I was just always on the go when I was still in that job. And I was on a world tour. And it was right after I found paleo and I couldn't find the options. I mean, I was in a different country every day. And so when I got back to the United States, I thought, okay. I'm going to make the food products that people need to be busy and still vibrant because I just think everyone deserves that sort of health. So that's kind of where we got. And, and while pastures was kind of the product of my son being born and me learning that there's only 60 years of topsoil left, according to the UN, if the current rates of soil loss continue, that really scared me that my son's generation might see a, a time when they couldn't grow their own food. And so I decided, well, I have these relationships with farmers. I'm going to leverage them and try and make uh, a demand for sustainable and regenerative agriculture. So that's what our second company, Wild Pastures, is. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited to talk to you about that because I think it's something that not a lot of people know about. But I want to, what I want to do is for everyone listening to this, because one of the things that I've talked an awful lot about in this podcast and have several episodes on is this idea of purpose and sort of being uh, what the next level human to me is really about someone who grows themselves Mm. to uh, sort of grow the world. And that's a hard thing. I don't know. Do you remember um, what? I, I think I'm much older than you, but I'm a child of the 80s. And do you, when you when you were young, did you used to see the the uh, the missing children on the milk cartons? Did yes. you have that as well? Okay. Yes. See, because this, I brought this up a lot and I know I want to just bring this up. It's a kind of a sad story, but I want to bring this up briefly to sort of just uh, help us understand a little bit about what Autumn's saying. So sounds like Autumn has this experience as well. And maybe some of you listening to this have this experience. When I was young, I would sit and have my cereal and I would be looking at a milk carton that have a missing kid on there. And years later, I started wondering, how the hell did this happen? How did these little missing children get on these milk cartons? Well, this woman basically had a, a child she brought to the bus stop in the morning Kid got on the bus, went home, on, came back home, got off the bus. Bus driver said he got off the bus. Somewhere between getting off the bus and getting to the house, this kid disappears. Now, this case was this kid was raped and murdered, and it was a terrible thing. Imagine as a parent having to deal with this. Now, from my perspective, it's it's an example of the worst pain a human can ever have, but also the idea of turning your pain into healing for the world because then what this woman did and it's funny right autumn like think about us building me and you have built businesses think about what it would take for this woman to go to the milk lobby 
yeah. to go to the state legislatures at a time when the internet wasn't around to go to mm-hmm. Congress to like, she had to move heaven and earth. And as a result of that, we end up with these kids all over our milk cartons and we could be like, that's the, the little girl next door I saw. And thousands and thousands and thousands of children were saved as a result of this. And the reason I bring this up is because even though Autumn being humble and we're all like this with our own stories, you can kind of tell she's sort of humbly going through her story as if it's not a big deal. But there's a lot of pain, I'm sure, that was associated with that journey not being able to figure this out, mental, emotional turmoil, digestive upset, no answers and all of this. And when we're in the pain as humans, I think that we don't necessarily know what to do with it. Mm. But what you're illustrating and what I think the story of the milk cartons illustrates as well is that what we are perhaps meant to do with our pain Mm. is to look for that same pain in others and seek to heal them. And so here you are going through this thing, not being able to find things to eat, healing yourself. Now that to me is is fine. But what you did that I think is different, and I think that all of us humans do, is you said, I don't just want to heal myself. This is a problem in the world. I want to heal others. And this to me is why I love you and love Paleo Valley and would say to each of us, everyone listening, we have this within us. And by the way, it's not just uh, with businesses. This could be done with anything. It could be done talking to the person in line at Starbucks. It can be done in many, many different ways. And so to me, this is what I just think is so um, amazing about you. And so before we get off this story, is there anything that this brings up for you that you would essentially help us to understand how to make sense of this stuff? Like, were you aware of any of this or aware what you were going to do when back when you were suffering and what did it take for you to wake up? Like, I know you mentioned your husband and your own struggle, but what was it that you were just like, you know what, I'm going to do something about this. And I'm, I'm just so curious about your story because I think it's one of these um, stories that we all can learn a lot from. Ah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I had a great family. I had great foundation. And so when my digestive issues started, they did everything they could. We went to numerous doctors and um, eventually they always all said, you have irritable bowel syndrome here, take this B, Bino or Gas-X or whatever. And soon, you know, I became really hopeless after like the eighth doctor I saw. And then there, you know, my mental health issues, depression and anxiety set in. And then they said, okay, let's go to some psychiatrists, you know, and we did that. And I was medicated and I felt like a zombie and I wasn't myself anymore. And I became really depressed, like really depressed. So depressed that I started to use substances, alcohol, drugs, you know, whatever. I was a smoker. I smoked a pack a day. I was just coping, coping, coping with this feeling of being broken and disempowered and that I was just going to have to like get through every day. That's just my goal. Like I could never even imagine doing something for other people because I was just struggling so much on my own. And so it wasn't over time. I just learned that this is your life. This is your life. And it wasn't actually until I met my husband that he was like, wow, you are living like this. And I was just that that frog in boiling water, you know, when you turn up the heat just a little bit after a little by little, you don't even notice anymore how stressed out and, and hopeless you you still are. But it was him believing in me and knowing that I deserved better. 
And so it, I wish I could say it was something that I gave myself, but it was something that someone gave to me, that glimmer of hope that, okay, this can be different. And so from that foundation and from someone else's thinking I could be better and do better and had a chance, um, it catapulted me into an entirely different world, like entire, like I felt hopeless again or felt hopeful. Mm-hmm. I remembered that little girl who was happy and excited. And as a mother, I just, for anyone out there struggling with mental health issues, digestive issues, whatever, just, I wanted to give people a little bit of that hope. Like when we give our products, that's what it is for me. It's like, no, you know what? This isn't just like a beef stick. It's it's like a whole new life if you want it to be. And that's, that's what our company has been for me. I'm just trying to kind of repay what my husband did for me. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say as you were going through that. That seems to be the the interesting thing here that it's like, all right, you know, someone moves us because, you know, we have our pain and we have our people we're exposed to. We have our unique personalities, our unique passions, our superpowers, all these go into our purpose. And of course, of course, people help us along the way, but there is a choice point where we go, I want to do the same. And so this is what essentially um, Paleo Valley, the, the birth of Paleo Valley for you. So let's talk about this a little bit because I can tell you from my perspective, I'm one of these guys who, um, and, and it's funny because we were talking just before we came on and you and I had met formally, I think a while back, but it's been a while. Um, but the interesting thing is one of the things that I think a lot of people know about me is I'm a, um, I'm somebody who is not, I don't love extremism in, in the nutrition world and all that kind of stuff, right? I don't, I don't love that. And I'm, I'm one of these people who's a big convenience person. And so for me, I'm, I was always looking around because let's face it, like some of the stuff that's out there in the world that is convenience based foods is one step up from a Snickers bar. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's this protein. It's this protein bar that's a little better than, you know, sort of a Snickers bar or a candy bar. And so when I started looking at the different options for on the go protein. This is how I first uh, stumbled across you guys because, you know, back when I was young, I would like have hard boiled eggs I'd be walking around with, right? So the fact that then I'm like, oh, this is, you know, um, a sustainable, convenient, you know, sort of, uh, you know, protein source and done the right way got me very excited. So I want to um, understand a little bit because a lot, a lot must have gone into this for you. I mean, obviously, there's, we have slim gyms and we have like, we have some of these beef jerkies and all this kind of stuff. And I know Paleo Valley has many different product lines, but the one that I think you see a ton and the one that I am most fanatical about are your grass fed meat sticks. And so I'm just curious what went into this process where you, because there's a lot in my mind that you actually went through, including the sustainable agriculture piece, which, which are, we're going to get into in a minute. I'm just curious, what was all the stuff that was going through your head? And I'm also curious, just from a business perspective, how you made that happen. (laughs) I love this question. And I totally resonate with you not being about the extremes. Like you'll Mm -hmm. see it throughout our product line. It's not just, we think you should always eat beef and that you never should eat vegetables or, you know, like we are not extreme either. Mm -hmm. And we believe in the power of whole foods. And that's why all of our products are, they're simply whole foods with all of that beautiful synergy. But our beef sticks are actually a really funny story because it was when I was on tour, I was on that world tour. I just reclaimed my health. My skin was clearing up. I was feeling like my best self. And then I was in a different country every day. And so that was for the first three months. And my husband, I was like, oh my gosh, honey, you have to bring me grass-fed beef sticks. You just have to. Uh, So he brought a suitcase over to France with him. And when I ate them, I still 
had some symptoms, um, digestive stuff, skin stuff. And I was like, what is this? These are grass fed. And so I didn't really have time when I was on the tour, but when I got back to America, I kind of dug in and I was like, I'm a fitness trainer. I think protein is underutilized, especially for the women I work with. I was someone who never really valued protein. And I think to my detriment, that was to my detriment, especially like mental health wise, I didn't have balanced blood sugar. We know that grass fed red meat, according to uh, research done by Dr. Felice Jacka is one of the most mental health protective foods. And so I was like, okay, it's going to be a meat stick. And I'm going to find out how these other meat sticks are being made in a way that is still bothering me, even though they're grass fed. Turns out there's an ingredient called encapsulated citric acid and it's industry standard. And if you flip over pretty much every other beef stick on the market, it'll just say citric acid or lactic acid. And what that is, is citric acid that's actually derived from aspergillus uh, niger mold and GMO corn. And then they wrap it in hydrogenated oil, which is, you know, trans fat. And then these little beads melt into the product, drop the pH and that preserves it. So mm. I thought, wow, that's probably what it is. And I'm going to find a different way to do it. And because of our ancestral lens with this company, uh, I knew that people have been fermenting meat for a really long time. So I was like, let's figure out how to ferment meat. It'll increase, you know, the digestibility and we'll even have probiotics. So I called like literally hundreds of manufacturers and I only found one who is willing to do it because it's not lucrative and it takes four times as long, but he did it for us. And so once we had that piece dialed in, all we had to do was add organic spices and then source regenerative um, beef from American farms, which we can talk about the benefits of regenerative beef. But to my knowledge, we're the only company that can actually avoid encapsulated citric acid and also uses regeneratively raised beef from America. So like Jade said, this is my personal mission because it's what I've lived through. Like I reclaim my health. I'm not going to cut corners. And it's really hard in from a business perspective in order to do this and to maintain those relationships and to maintain the standards, even as you grow. But I refuse to compromise because we're always going to prioritize health over profit. So if you want me to go into more of the business stuff, but that's essentially, that's just a, the journey of our flagship product. But each product has a story kind of like that because yeah. creating high quality products in today's world is, is a very challenging task. I'm sorry to break into the show, but I wanted to take a second to cover one of our sponsors and tell you all about Paleo Valley at paleovalley.com. These are the grass-fed sticks that I tell you all so much about that all of my friends know I have on hand constantly. They are in my car. They are at my house. I keep them at my sister's home and my parents' house. I have these things everywhere because they are the simplest, most convenient whole foods protein supplement you can get. Almost like carrying around pure protein, low-carb protein in your pocket. They also, these Paleo Valley beef sticks, are the only, the only 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef sticks on the market. They use organic spices. They are naturally fermented Instead of using nitrates and nitrites that can be a problem in some of these cured meats, and they simply taste fantastic. Check out the original or the jalapeno. Those are my favorites. Please make sure you go over to paleovalley.com and visit. When checking out, use the code next level for a 15% discount. Remember, our sponsors keep the show going by you giving them your patronage and spending your money on these high quality 
products, you actually do a few things. One, you're helping to support the podcast. And two, you are helping your health. And three, you are making sure that good quality companies like Paleo Valley can be out there doing their business, changing the world, making the earth better. One of the things you may not know about this is that grass-fed organic and grass-finished beef is doing something that is so utterly important for our environment, actually helping to repopulate the topsoil. A lot of people don't know this, but our topsoil is being extremely depleted. And raising animals, especially cattle, the correct way helps to get that topsoil back. This is one of the reasons why I love Paleo Valley, not to mention it tastes fantastic, but they're one of these companies, like my other sponsors, Cured Nutrition and Organifi, that are doing the right things by the environment. I really appreciate everything they do, and I hope you will check them out. Thanks so much. PaleoValley.com. Use the code NEXTLEVEL. And now, back to the show. It is time to talk about one of our sponsors, our earliest sponsor, Cured Nutrition. This is a CBD company. Cured Nutrition is another one of those next level human companies that is doing amazing things in the world. Let me tell you a little bit about one of the things I've been doing with CBD here recently. There is some really interesting research showing that chronic cannabis users, these are people who are smoking marijuana, are actually down-regulating the cannabinoid 1 receptor. Well, guess what the cannabinoid 1 receptor is involved in? Well, it's involved in cravings and hunger. And there is some really interesting mouse research that shows mice given products that lower CB1 or being engineered with a lower CB1 activity actually eat less and are not obese as a result of that. And so I have been experimenting using CBD to lower hunger, to down-regulate the CB1 receptor, just the way chronic cannabis users tend to be very thin. And it has been working very well. Now, of course, the other thing that I use this for and have used it for, for since day one is uh, Cured Nutrition has a product called Zen that is a mix of magnesium and CBD and some other really nice formulations in there that I use to help me sleep. I have notoriously bad sleep. My sleep still is not perfect, but the Cured Nutrition product Zen has made a big difference to helping me sleep better. And that is just huge. Now, of course, they have other products. They also have a product called Rise, which I do not use, but I have used in the past it is great for those people who like to have a pick-me-up in the morning to focus better. So Zen and Rise are fantastic, but any of their CBD products used for down-regulation of the CB1 receptor to help with hunger and cravings, if you're one of these people who is constantly overeating and on a diet, you find that, hey, when I'm on a diet, I get this crazy sort of hunger and cravings. This may be something you want to check out. So check out CuredNutrition.com. Use the code next level. I get a kickback to help us have these discussions on the show. It's a great way for me to be able to do this work. So thank you for Cured Nutrition for that. Of course, Cured Nutrition gets the sale and you get to work with a fantastic company that gets results with their supplements. I hope you will check them out. CuredNutrition.com. Use the code next level. And now let's go ahead and get back to the show. Let's do it. Part of the reason I want to bring that I want I want to I wanted the listeners to hear. I've oftentimes told this in my own journey when I was trying to build, you know, my supplement companies and stuff. I almost went out of business because of this. Um, 
and and you know so, so actually twice almost right as a business person and so the reason i want to bring it up is because i do think when people hear about certain companies and this is a big mission of mine as well when people hear about a, someone who owns a company right they oftentimes have this perspective. It's like the Bill Gates perspective or the, you know, sort of the Jeff Bezos perspective. They, they envision, you know, Jade Tita or Autumn Smith sitting up there, millions and billions of dollars and cutting, you know, like just trying to maximize their profit and all of this kind of stuff. And what I have found with myself and with people like you, and it's not always the case, but the people, the business owners that I love and vibe with, more times than not, they are the profit margins are incredibly slim. They are putting in so we call it entrepreneurial debt in my world, where it's basically like some of these entrepreneurs put so much of their own income into this that they still are not out of entrepreneurial debt years and years later, simply to do the right thing and make the right products. And so for me, I just want people to hear that story. And I don't know if this is your story, Autumn, but it sounds like me having this particular story, there must have been a lot that went into this because I know it is like just trying to make a protein powder that was, you know, had all the best ingredients and not settling. And next thing I knew, I'm like, well, I'm going to have to sell this for 60 bucks and only make $2, right? And yeah. we, but then we do this because we believe in it. And what happens is we, you know, some of us get rewarded in this process. And to me, this is a very, very um, big deal um, in terms of what you have been able to do with this company from the business point of view, but just from just the next level human point of view. Now I want to talk a little bit about what I think you and I probably share is one of the more scary aspects of what is going on in the world right now. And I'm not going to tell the story. I'll let you tell it. But we have several different things that we can talk about, right? These We have grass-fed meat. We have, you know, organic. We have, you know, all these different terms. And now there's this new term that you sort of threw out that I think is perhaps the most important term for people to understand this idea of regenerative beef. You also mentioned the topsoils and all of this kind of stuff. So I'm going to let you sort of tell this story because to me, this is perhaps one of the most important things that all of us, if we aspire to be good humans, grow ourselves, grow other humans and take care of the earth, need to understand. So would you educate us on sort of the, the background, you know, sort of understanding of what is going on here? Yeah, absolutely. And I just wanted to say first is that basically we had nothing when we started the company and we have had such slim margins that that's the only reason we haven't been able to go into retail yet mm -hmm. because we just wanted people to be able to afford it. So we just got really good at marketing online so that everyone, it wouldn't be an elitist thing. So, mm -hmm. but regenerative agriculture is my new passion because like I said, when my son was born and we were meeting these farmers and learning about the different nuances when we were sourcing our grass-fed beef, I learned that according to the UN, we only have 60 years of topsoil left. So that is a very, very scary thing. And what's happened is we came in and we industrialized all these practices we're using in agriculture. We've been living in an extractive, meaning we're taking out way more than we're putting back in relationship with the planet. And as a result, we have about two thirds of farmable land has been lost in the last 40 years. And so when we don't have soil, which is what we need to grow food, we don't have food. And then we don't have healthy plants. And then we don't have healthy animals who eat the food. So what we've learned, and this is a very new 
new and emerging science is that we didn't really understand how the soil system worked until very, very recently. Even soil scientists are just finding this out. But when it comes to reestablishing nutrient density in our plants, which has been on the decline for the last 50 to 70 years, in fact, we are at the lowest level of nutrient density in our food that has ever been recorded. So when it comes to restoring nutrient density, also when it comes to climate change, because we know that all of these extractive practices and tilling and all the other things we're doing with the chemicals and pesticides, releasing more and more carbon and greenhouse gases into the environment, which is helping heat the planet up. And in terms of just environmental pollution, right? Uh, with the fertilizers and the pesticides and the glyphosate being sprayed, we know that none of these things are helping our planet be healthy. And so nutrient density um, and also cleaning up the planet and also reversing climate change and also reducing droughts. Uh, because when soil is unhealthy, it's not going to hold water. And so all these droughts and all this runoff and all this flooding, this is also a result of our broken soil system. And so the coolest thing about uh, agriculture or regenerative ag is that it can heal all of these various issues. It's the most logical place to take out that carbon out. And in fact, we couldn't even plant enough trees to hold the amount of carbon that we hold in our soil. And so also, again, when we're reestablishing the soil biology, there's this really beautiful relationship relationship between the microbes in the soil and the plants. The plants take carbon out of the atmosphere. They pump it through the roots, basically. They feed the microbes. Then the microbes make the nutrients available to the plant and they aggregate carbon. So these plants are really the key and the soil biology and those mycorrhizal fungi and the bacteria in the soil. This is what's doing all of the hard work. And this is what restores the nutrient density of our food. It changes climate change and it helps prevent flooding and there's principles that we can get into too, but I just think the overarching idea, we have been living, like I said, in an extractive relationship, a degenerative relationship with our planet for over 10,000 years. And a lot of people today are thinking about sustainability. And I think that is so awesome. But what we need to think is regenerate. We cannot sustain where we are and expect us to have a, the bright future that I think we all deserve. We need to regenerate. And that's regenerative agriculture is very different than any other type of agriculture because it is looking at those criteria for regeneration in the soil system. Yeah. Let me let me repeat this because I think it's so and you, you sort of catch me and see if I mess up anywhere here, because I think this is so important for everyone to understand. A lot of us, a lot of you who are listening now are probably paying attention to things like organic. And maybe you're savvy enough to be thinking about things like grass fed. So what Autumn is really talking about is something actually that goes way beyond that. So you essentially have the animals, you have the plants, and then you have the ignored soil that has you know, think of it as many layers deep and you can even picture it. Like think about, you know, um, me and Autumn and all of you going out into this rich, dark field, farm field that we dig into the soil and we pull out this beautiful, dark piece of soil, right? And we can smell it and we smell the earth, right? Think about that. Then think about going to, let's say, um, Egypt and going to visit the pyramids and that sand. Well, guess what? That used to be very much like that field with all that dark soil. Now imagine what we have been doing of over farming this land and taking away this natural, this natural cyclical process that nature uses, right? The plants use the nutrients in the soil that 
then are passed into the animals. The animals then poop on that soil. The soil then takes that back up, plus takes carbon from the atmosphere. And the whole thing sort of uh, repeats itself. And so what Autumn's talking about here is this cyclical, natural way that the soil maintains itself. But she's talking about even more than that, because we're also now talking about the fact that that soil is depleting rapidly. So that layer is becoming less and less like that rich soil I just described and more and more like that sandy soil that I described. And so what we need are practices to quickly restore that. And this is partly what Autumn's mission has been, partly why I just love this, because we need individuals and companies who are using their resources to educate and to put monetary resources into this particular practice. It's huge, which brings me to an interesting thing, Autumn, and I'll ask you about this because one of the battles that we have going on right now is this idea of, well, what we'll do is we'll just use things like Beyond Meat and mm. these plant-based sort of meat alternatives, which for me, I don't get mad about, but I also just go, wait a second, that's also generating, that's not regenerating things, that's degenerating things since it's doing the same practices. And so it's just a nuanced thought. And I don't want to trigger any of the vegans and vegetarians that listen to me, but this is an important thing that we have to understand that when we think about protein sources, we also have to be thinking about what we're doing with those protein sources, how those protein sources are being derived and whether or not they're falling into this natural cycle. And so I'm wondering if you have any sort of thoughts on where we are, since you are have kind of been steeped in this industry, where do you think we are in terms of the battle that's going on between sort of these plant-based foods, uh, protein sources that are taking over meat, cellular agriculture, which I'm some, that's something I've studied an awful lot of, just for those of you who don't know, that's essentially growing meat in Petri dishes. Uh, you know, that's basically, um, it's basically just like muscle. We have that technology now versus this sustainable sort of approach where we're actually using animals in the old way, moving crop rotation, letting them poop on the soil, you know, all of these practices. Do you have anything that you've been using as your guiding light or sort of of the way you think um, about this? Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I'm cool with however someone wants to eat. And I know that people who are making Beyond Burger and Impossible Burger and these plant-based alternatives, they have great intentions. But for me, they actually did research around this. Qantas Labs, uh, it's an independent research um, firm. They looked at the two different types of practices for Beyond Burger and Impossible Burger and did what's called a life cycle analysis. That means they look at every aspect of its production and then determine how much carbon is being re released into the the atmosphere, which is one of the main things we need to do. So historically, this is kind of nerdy, but I'm going to go there because it's important. There's been about 280 parts per million of carbon in our atmosphere. And right now it's at about 400 parts per million. Now we need to get back to about 350. So we really need to be actively pulling carbon down um, and getting to draw down where we can actually start reducing the levels. Mm -hmm. But what they found in this report for Impossible Burger and Beyond Burger for every pound of those burgers that you consume, about 3.5 to 4.5 carbon um, pounds of carbon go into the atmosphere. Okay, so that's better than conventional beef, which is probably around 30 pounds, and even pork, which is around nine pounds, I believe, and chicken, which is around six. 
But when it comes to regeneratively raised beef, now this was a very specific farm down in Bluffton, Georgia, um, called White Oak Pastures. And it's, they found that for every pound of regeneratively raised beef, it sequestered 3.5 pounds of carbon. So that just means you'd have to eat one regenerative burger for every impossible burger or beyond burger in order to kind of offset that balance or to create balance. So I think that every effort to reduce carbon and greenhouse gas emission is a valiant one, but you have to look a little bit further at these lab meats and realize they are being grown a lot of them contain GMOs and other ingredients that are going to use pesticides. They're going to use herbicides. They're still going to use that monoculture system, which is further degrading the soil and creating environmental pollution. And so, yay, it's better, but it's not as good as regeneratively raised beef. And it is still contributing to environmental destruction, unfortunately. Yeah, this is just fascinating um, stuff. And I think it does it does help us all sort of reset and go. Because I do, I do, I often talk about base level humans, culture level humans and next level humans. And of course, we're all all three, right? Like we're all of these. The base level human is going to look at this from the perspective of, I don't care. I'm just going to eat what I think is healthy for me, right? Like I don't care. uh, I just want to take care of my body. I don't care about anyone else's body. I certainly don't care about, you know, I just want to be healthy and I want, you know, that's it. It's all about me. Now, the culture level person is going to be, it's all going to be about team, right? So if you're a paleo person, if you're a vegetarian person, it's going to be more Mm -hmm. group sort of specific. The next Mm -hmm. level human is going to sort of take a step away from that and say, wait a second, how do we make every individual healthier? How do we also make sure that we restore the health of the earth and myself? So it's it's an integrated approach. It's not just, I want to be healthier, me, Jay Tita or Autumn Smith. Yes, we do. But then it's like, how do I make other people healthier? And it even goes further to say, well, am I also making the earth healthier so I can make future generations healthier. To me, this is ultimately what I think regenerative practices um, sort of are doing. And I love the way you broke that down, because not only is it a potential better thing for, you know, sort of greenhouse gas, but think about also what was hidden in, in Autumn's explanation for us. This soil also, it begins to not just, you know, pull down the carbon numbers for us, it also starts to increase the nutrient density of the foods we're eating in the first place. So it's regenerating in multiple ways. And so to me, this is the true next level human way of looking at it. Now, I will say this. I have one problem with this, and I, and I want to see what your thought on, on this is. Because one of the things, I used to be a vegetarian, and so I still have moral concerns around eating meat. And it's been a a really tough thing for me. The way I've kind of gotten around it, I've never fully gotten around it because part of me just goes, I don't like the idea of eating meat. I go to my dad's house and he has these chickens that like jump in his arm and they have personalities (laughs) and they're, you know, and I have, you know, uh, Autumn and I were just talking before we came on. She's got a a little puppy back there. I just got a new puppy. Part of my brain goes, how's that different than a pig or a cow? And so I understand this sort of argument. It's really the only sort of argument I have left here because it's uh it's one of these things that is just tricky do you do you have any issues around this and how, have you struggled with this and how do you make any sense of this at all or is it not an issue for you i'm just curious on a personal level no i love that i think i was a vegetarian for you know my younger years and i think it did contribute to a lot of blood sugar dysregulation mm-hmm. 
And when I learned about that research first from Dr. Felice Jack, I thought, oh, okay, red meat seems to be protective against mental health. And so I'm coming to this through that lens of I just need to heal my body and improve my mental health. And I was kind of in a desperate place. Also, I was a yoga teacher for a while in Los Angeles. And so I did the pescatarian thing. And then I learned about this principle called ahimsa, which right, not harming you know, not harming others, but also not harming myself. And so I really sat with that and thought, am I, by choosing not to eat animals, harming myself in some way? And I came to the conclusion that I might be. And unfortunately, it is this disconnection from nature that I think a lot of us have, myself included. Even though I grew up in Montana, I still didn't see animals being raised and slaughtered or harvested on a daily basis. But I think when you live on a farm, you're just more in the know that this is a part of the cycle of life, right? I'm going to live my life and then I'm going to die. I'm going back into the soil. Maybe I'm going to become food at one point. And that this is unfortunate and can be painful at times, but it's sometimes necessary. And it just is the way of the world. And so I kind of had to come to terms with that on my own as well. But I love animals deeply. And we have practices from Dr. Temple Grand. And I don't know if you're familiar with her. Uh, she's amazing. And she does all of the most humane practices. So I did have to work on it for a while. But when I came to the realization that for me specifically, it was harming my health to not eat animal products. And the fact that they're some of the most nutrient dense foods in the world, you know, and that not everyone has this ability to just opt out. Um, I realized it's okay. And this is something I'm going to choose to do. And I'm not here to tell anyone that they need to eat animal products, but I do see in my practice that when people don't, um, it is a little more difficult to reach certain health parameters. I've seen it around mental health and just like weight loss for me, but, yeah, but I definitely I had it. the same struggle. Mm -hmm. I definitely did. I saw the same thing, my own personal health. I went through that. And here's one thought um, just for all of us. I, I wanted to bring that up because I think it's such it's something that a lot of us will struggle with. And it seems like Autumn has. I have one of the other uh, interesting things that I've come to terms with learning about regenerative agriculture is think about it this way, too. Um, if we, you know, all moved away from that, not only are we going to become extinct, but all the animals are going to become extinct. So in a sense, you actually, and this is, I know it's a, just a really, it's kind of a, it kind of messes with your mind a little bit, but if you really think about the ecosystem, and I love the way you put it, Autumn, if you really think about the ecosystem, you are actually doing more for the planet and the animals on the planet when you are looking at it this way, because as soon as we try to um, play God in any respect, right? As soon as we try to overshoot in any respect, and, and Native Americans had a good, a, a, a sort of a good take on this. They sort of understood the natural cycle of life and where they sit in as an ecosystem. And right. I can't get around the fact that um, there's no way actually to save the planet and the animals on it. Let's face it, the, the current agricultural practices, we're going through, you know, a huge, we're killing animals, uh, the, the, the whatever it is, the fifth grade extinction or whatever it is. We're, mass extinction. We're, yeah. Yeah. We're we're promoting that. And we humans sit on the precipice of being able to reverse some of that. So this is an interesting thing. I have, this is how I uh, make sense of it. And it is an interesting thing being a human and sort of having compassion in this regard. It can be um, tough, but it was, in it's interesting to hear your um, sort of take on this. So I'm going to let you sort of, um, you know, sort of take us to the next sort of um, approach here and, you know, in our question here, which is if you were to say, because obviously you built a 
a company, two companies off this now, and you know, in terms of what you are wanting to help us understand, if you were going to say each of us as individuals to begin to take our place and be aware of what we are doing and how we should be eating, what would be you know the three to five key things um, that you would say we each need to be doing to take care of ourselves, take care of other humans, and take care of the planet? And I assume it has something to do around these regenerative practices, but it sounds like eating regenerative, organic, you know, sustainable, you know, sort of nutrient dense foods is one of them. But is there anything else that you would say we really should be paying attention to here? hundred percent. And first I want to tell you about this study they actually did where they looked at if all Americans went vegan, what would that do to like greenhouse gas emissions and health? And this was a study by Robin White. And they found if 300 million Americans became vegan, they would reduce the greenhouse gas emissions by 2.6% which is not really that great. You know, it's not really measurable, but it would also result in two times the amount of grain consumption and nutrient deficiency, calcium, um, B6, and various other um, nutrients that are harder to get when you don't have animals in the diet. So that's that. I just wanted to share that for anyone who's kind of on the fence because I, I know I know how, you, how that feels. So the things that we can do are really interesting. And the first one is probably just educate ourselves, like be interested, be curious about exactly where your food is coming from, right? Like you said, there's so many different greenwashing washing techniques out there. Organic is great. Regenerative is even a step up from that. There's many different nuances when it comes to grass fed, but if you can support your local farmers, get to know them, look in their eyes, ask them, are your animals always grass fed? Are they always given access to pasture? Are they ever fed grain? Do they spend any time in confinement? Do they get antibiotics? Do they get hormones? Just being inquisitive about exactly where it comes from. And I learned this really cool tip uh, at a farmer's market in California from a farmer. And he said, I know a lot of us don't have access to the farms, but if you go on Google Earth, just ask them where they're farming, where their operation is. And you can actually zoom in to see kind of like is what is really going on on the farm. So I love that. So just being curious is the first step. And then also a second is just like, be a voice for this movement. I really think it's important. We, there's really encouraging estimates that if we just transition like 10 to 20% of our agricultural land, we could bring enough carbon down to kind of begin that drawdown process. And so, and we all are intimidated by the topic and it kind of is, can be overwhelming, even for me when I was beginning. But if we can just help people understand this, we really could move the needle and also realize that we can't wait for legislation. You know, we need to change the way that our agricultural practices are in alignment with health, human health, because they're not right now, the things that we're subsidizing, but we can support private private institutions who are taking it upon themselves to do that anyway. And so you can also check out wild pastures, like I said, um, and you can also be like a soil advocate. Uh, there's a training from Kiss the Ground and and you can learn more about it. We can compost when it goes to beyond your eating. And we can, one thing that I think would be great and what I really wish to see is that worry less about am I eating just animals or plants or what are they doing? And just like think regeneratively throughout. Like if you want to eat plants, cool, like fine organic regenerative farms that are doing that and you can do your part there. If you want to eat animal products, again, great, fine regenerative farms that are raising it that way. And just worry less about, you know, the specific macros, unless you have a, you know, a dietary or like a a health concern that you're really working through and just think regeneratively. Think about, like you said, that next level human perspective 
perspective of what is it doing to my body? What is it doing to the planet? And what is it doing to the collective health too? Yeah, I love it. You have to integrate that thought process. I know for me now, I'm like, how much plastics am I using? And so I'm constantly, I'm fanatical about, you know, uh, using companies that are, you know, reducing plastics, you know, from my laundry detergent to my cleaning supplies. I'm like, I don't want you know, plastic anymore. I'm also thinking about, okay, what products am I using and how are they being raised? And here's what's interesting to all of us listening. Think about this for a second. I know you, you and I, Autumn, have seen this, but remember when Whole Foods wasn't a thing, right? And then remember when Whole Foods became mainstream and then remember when aspects of Whole Foods actually became part of the problem. But remember back in the beginning when, you know, Whole Foods became Whole Foods and became mainstream because a lot of us started thinking this way. And then it happened relatively quickly. And so it, the same process happens when we all start putting our dollars into these things. And this is why it's so important and why I'm so grateful to people like you, Autumn, who are educating us because that's the first step, right? We all begin to get educated and then we speak with our dollars. I think it's really interesting. You said, you know, forget, I mean, it's not that we don't want to be thinking about legislation and all that kind of stuff, but legislation usually follows what we each are doing with our dollars. That's the most powerful thing that we can do is we vote with our dollars. And so thinking about this to me is absolutely critical. So I know for me, and I'm not the best with this, by the way, because I'm one of these convenience based people. Right. So I'm always like so I'm always battling convenience versus, you know, and this is, again, why I stumbled across Paleo Valley, why I love you guys so much, because for me, I'm like convenience meets regeneration. Right. So I'm always, that's always what I'm trying you know, to sort of do. Like, how can I get a convenience based product that I'm used to that is also doing the right things? And it, it's, it's a tough thing that we're up against, but we can do it voting with our dollars and thinking uh, deeply about this. So I want to say um, a couple things because there were a few things in there. So Wild Pastures is your your deal. Right. Tell us a little bit more about that and how we can get more involved with that as well. Yeah. So yeah, Wild Pastures was our second company because we learned and we met all these amazing regenerative farmers and we were learning the nuances like, okay, well, it can be grass fed, but continuously grazed, still harmful for the environment. And so we were so inspired by the stories of these farmers and inspired by what they were doing to their land. And so we decided, well, we need to create a company that cuts out the middleman because farmers need to be farming. They don't need to be marketing themselves. And often every time I worked with someone and said, oh, Oh, yes, just get regeneratively raised beef. They're like, well, what does that even mean? I can't mm -hmm. find it. And then when I do, it's way too expensive. And so we're like, we know the farmers. Let's just connect them to the consumers, make sure that we're having wholesale prices. So this doesn't have to be an elitist thing. It's something that anyone and everyone can afford. And that's what we did. And to your point about plastics, like we're always thinking, you know, from birth to grave, like how can we make our whole operation more sustainable? We use solar powered facilities. We use local delivery whenever we can. And as we continue to get bigger and older as a company, our commitment to that will just continue to grow. So you can just come to wildpastures.com mm. and we're changing the structure of the company a little bit. It's kind of, it was at one time like a membership fee and then you could order a box every month of beef and chicken and um, 
pork as well. And also seafood now from Bristol Bay. It's like the largest sustainable fishery in the world. And then you just kind of mix and match and choose your stuff. And you know that it's coming from regenerative farms and, you know, sustainable fisheries. And it's delivered straight to your doorstep. So you don't have to do anything. um, And you can learn about the farms if you want to. And uh, we're a very transparent company. So, yeah, that's what we created just to make it easy for people to support the kind of practices because you're absolutely right. Legislation takes a very long time and there's a lot of lobby it, lobbying that goes into it, and a lot of corporate influence. But us, the consumer, we can support these private companies who aren't wait- waiting for the legislation, who are just taking it upon themselves to make the choices that are going to help regenerate their planet and replenish our food supply. So that's what we're doing, wildpastures.com. Yeah, so paleovalley.com, you guys, and wildpastures.com. And um, Autumn, where can people, I mean, you're such a wealth of knowledge. Where are, Do you do anything in terms of the, your online education? Or are you mainly, you know, sort of in, you know, sort of with the business? And so where can people find you if they want to just connect with you and learn from you? Or should they just kind of go to your businesses and that kind of thing? No, you can come find me. You can yeah. come find me at autumn at paleovalley.com. I love all feedback. I am such an open person and I just mm-hmm. want to hear exactly what resonated or what didn't from you. So email me specifically. I also have an Autumn Smith wellness thing on Facebook. It's it's a little account, but I'm thinking we're going to move to one on Instagram as well. But yeah, I would love to connect with you. I do a certain amount of education, not a ton, but I'm doing a lot of advertising. We try to make our ads that in a way that whenever you watch them, you're just better, you know something, even if you don't buy our product. So right now I put a lot of time into that, but I do educate sometimes on the social media platforms as well. Well, Autumn, let me let me just say this to you on behalf of everybody. Here's the interesting thing about us humans, right? You're in your story and you're in your life. And so you don't, you know, as as such, you probably don't ever stop and think about the impact um, that you're making. But I mean, seriously, thank you so much for your work, for doing this for a lot of us who have not been able to do it. Thank you to your husband. Thank you for what you both are creating. It's huge and important. And uh Thank you so much for being the next level human and being on the show. Anything else you want to share with us before we part? No, I just have to say thank you for allowing me to be here. I'm such a fan of yours as well. And you're right. I do get stuck in my story. So it's really, really impactful for me to hear that. And um, yeah, just just thank you for the work you've been doing. I remember looking up your work. It was one You were one of the people who got me really excited about this whole holistic health and wellness thing in the first place. So it's a real honor to be here. It's been a fun ride, my friend. So thank you so much for what you do. And I'll see you next time.